Hey everyone, Tim Blankenship here with Divorce661.com. Today we're here with Judith Weigel. And Judith, I forgot the name of your company. Divorce Resource Inc. I did have it. I was prepared. Um, do you go by Judy or Judith? Both. It's very okay. confusing. I have a, an identity crisis. Okay. So I will mix it up then for you. So Judy, um, Judy and I do the same business, essentially, at, at the grassroots. We're both legal document assistants and I won't bore our our audience with the with what that is, although we probably should. Um, yeah, we, we should too. We should just just a high level because not to because some people in our industry they they really beat it down like what an LDA is, but it is important because I think it's important that we distinguish what legal document assistants are from a from a legal standpoint and what we have to do to become licensed and all that. But I don't want to spend twenty minutes on it either. But because you probably get this a lot, same as I do, is that people out there as paralegals who shouldn't be doing this or te technically there's probably more of them than there are of us. Um, and the confusion uh, between the two and um, the fact that they shouldn't be doing it, but, and then causing problems and we have to fix it, you know, cause we're, we know what we're doing. We're registered and bonded to do all that stuff. Judy, you also are a mediator as well, which I thought would be great to talk to you about. Cause I do not touch mediation. I stay in my lane. I tried it for five seconds and realized immediately it is not for me. I don't know how you do it. In fact, uh, the only- fact, I love it. I love it oh, more you than- love it, huh? Oh my God, Tim, I can't tell you how much I enjoy mediation. Mediation to me is creative problem solving. And I love creative problem solving. The, the hard thing about it, which is why not everybody can do it, is you have to remain neutral. You can't teach people the law. You really have to make sure they see attorneys first. And if they don't, you have to take the assumptive position. They know what they're talking about and right. proceed on. But the reason, the reason why I like mediation so much is because it can resolve some unspoken issues between the two spouses that never got resolved. So it's not really therapy, but in the discussion of how you divide assets and debts, how you create the co-parenting plan, how you want to deal with child support, all those big ticket items. In, in the process of doing that, it uncovers some unresolved issues. And that's why people fight. They have unresolved issues. And I, I not only feel really good when I see that melt away, but I have several examples over the last 11 years of family law mediation that I'm so proud of that meant that I listened hard for where the compromise points could be beyond what was obvious. And they felt so good that there was an option available that wasn't his option, that wasn't her option, or that wasn't his or his option or hers or hers option. We got to take in everybody in, in, yeah. in Courses. They felt so good that something completely different could be that no, that, that, so they both won. So anyway, I love mediation. But as we were talking a while ago, yeah, my mediator colleagues say to me, Judy, 
why do you get all the high stress people in your office? The stories I have to tell are so different than what my colleagues tell me. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm the person that can help them beyond anybody else. Maybe I just have that energy that attracts their energy. But Tim, honestly, one of my more famous, unbelievable mediations was three or four six hour mediations wow is your head ready to blow off and you've yeah. been in law enforcement and the military <laughs> um and all they wanted me to do was sit there they didn't even want me to talk they wanted me to witness them talking oh my god okay if you want to pay me for that that's fine and there was nothing to divide they owned nothing yeah <laughs> they were just processing. that's the so best Okay, so I love mediation. That's really cool. But yeah. here's how I describe, and let's talk about what you and I do in common for a living, the filing. Yes. And, and, just, uh, and just for and before we get into that, we do the same business. So people might be saying, why are we even talking together? And, and this is one reason I want to do this. I want to also, in, in talking about the differences in what we do, because while we do the same thing, we do them entire, entirely differently. And I probably would bet we have entirely different clients so in that way. We are not really competitors, different locations. I'm in Santa Clarita area of LA. You're in the West side of LA. I get that. Right. right. And I have been trying to spread the word on what we do as opposed to like we were talking to about the difference with us and paralegals and so forth, but in trying to reach out, and I don't know if you've experienced this or even tried to do that to try and speak with other people in our profession, maybe not your, your mediation folks, that's more high touch, but just in the LDA legal document preparation world, there's this uh, fear of lack of business that they don't even want to jump on a call like this or have a talk and, and, and share ideas. Um, Cause there's some type of, I don't know what it is. They're like they want to, they're want to be in control of their their business, and maybe by talking about it, they may think they're promoting someone else or they'll lose business or something like that. I feel like there there's this um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, lack of abundance, perhaps. Oh, would be the, interesting. Are, are no, you seeing that at all? I just want to talk about that real quick, and because I I do I see it because you're doing we both do. Um, I have like almost 1,800 YouTube videos. I'm doing three or four a day. Now you have podcasts, you have, you're, you're doing interviews. I saw a TEDx. I was just watching some stuff because we kind of fell out of touch just, I'm sure, because we're extremely busy. But um, that's one thing I want to talk on too, is just, you know, bringing for, forward LDAs and, and trying to, I, and this is what I was going to say when we're off air, is that maybe we even do this together where we, hey, let's, let's grab LDAs and let's reach out to folks and talk about their business. It's not going to hurt our business. It's just going to, it's just going to bring them more business. And by the way, um, people, even if we're, everyone is in the same boat, we're going to, you know, people are going to decide, Hey, I like Tim better. Oh, I don't like Tim or I don't like LDA. See, I didn't like what he, you know what I mean? They make decisions already. So I think it just, we, by helping one, we're helping all. Okay. First of all, I don't feel competitive at all with anybody. Exactly. I don't think it's necessary. I learn from everybody because even on the podcast, I bring other mediators on. I have introduced or uh, interviewed other LDAs. I just like sharing information with people. And I figure whatever business I'm going to get is going to come to me. It, whatever business you're going to get. Is exactly. And I even called you for help. I need to call my colleagues and ask them questions 
because things come up that I haven't dealt with before. And it does with everybody. Of course. Yeah. So and as no, we were talking earlier, it, like just with judgments and paperwork, it's, it's not, it's not always a equals a, it's like the wild West when you're dealing with different courts and different clerks and different, each case is different. And while you think there'd be a standardized process across the board, and I'm not talking just about between different courts, but I'm talking about the same courtroom or two different clerks in two different departments within, say, central downtown. One case gets approved, identical case gets rejected. And why? Right. So sharing those ideas and just knowing there's I don't see a lot of collaboration between other LDAs in our industry. Sounds like you've gotten a few on, but I've gotten a lot of resi resistance. I get a lot of calls for help. In fact, probably the aside from people who are watching my content on YouTube and probably yours as well, I talk a lot about like forms and how to do forms and all that stuff and the right, checkboxes, like the real, yeah, the real specific stuff. And I know that some of those views are other LDAs or paralegals and, you know, and that's fine. I don't, I'm glad I'm being able to help. And some will reach out and call us to hey, I have this case going on. Can you help me work through the issues? And of course, but there's, I, I get more resistance from it's 90% resistance. 10% people want to collaborate. What are you well, finding? Well, look how we reconnected. I um, called you because I knew where you were located. I had just gotten a client out of Palmdale and I needed to know if this was the right court. Yeah, I don't, I think you shouldn't take any clients north of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, but I, so I said, no, I, I've called your office a few times for that. And you were so wonderful. You told me file downtown. And so I did. I filed downtown. It worked perfectly. So oh, you, know, you did. You did. You okay? You're able to do that. Advice. Of course, Perfect. I took advice. No, no, no. I considered it, it great. But but to a point that you had in terms of how different courthouses are, there are two things people need to know about the about the landscape that we work in for them, not for us, but for them. And that is, not all judges operate the same. There are too many judges in the family law courthouses who never practiced family law. So now they're assigned, I mean, shockingly so, right? Now they're assigned to a family law bench and they bring what they think are the right rules to the bench. And if we file something that, that doesn't follow what they think is supposed to be done in some way, they reject a form and then you have to do it differently. And I found this out years ago. Um, there's a wonderful, lovely judge um, at one of the courthouses. I don't even want to say where at one of the courthouses who I think is a great judge, but he did not practice family law. Therefore, when I have a case that's going unilaterally, meaning the respondent got to be served, but he's not he or she is not participating at all. There's a certain process that this particular judge wants people to follow who are filing for them, that's not law. It's not required. And if the respondent has disappeared after they've been served, which they can, what this judge wants us to do on the second set of disclosures, which is personally serving them, how do you do it with somebody you can't find?
Right. It's not even required by law. What's required is you can do it by email, but he won't allow it. And that makes me nuts. Yeah. Um, And so I have to explain that to them. And then there's another courthouse where I filed something correctly and I knew it and it got rejected for the wrong reason. So I called the courthouse and I said, well, um, out of respect to the court, I, I will follow up. Um, but I do believe this is procedurally incorrect. And I was very nice. You always are very nice when you call. You have to be because they, Oh my God. I'm like, or they'll never help you. Okay. (laughs) So I said, I don't believe this is procedurally correct. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've done this many, many times. And the clerk said, hang in there. Let me call the judge's clerk. And she calls the judge's clerk and says the clerk, the judge's clerk agrees with you. It's procedurally incorrect. And you have to do it anyway, because that's what the judge wants. Wow. And then I said, okay, I will follow the judge's instructions, but let me just ask this one question. Did the judge come from another area of law other than family law? And the answer was yes. And I said, can I ask not without saying which court was it LA County? Oh, it was LA County. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just, I think there are 30 ish, Maybe not that many, maybe 20. Do you, maybe you know how many family law courtrooms downtown, but there's the most, obviously, being being the central courthouse. But yeah, every, every courtroom is run differently. And in most cases, you know, LA County, we have the benefit of it being probably one of the busiest counties for divorce in all, all of California. Downtown, especially seeing the, you know, the most um, aside from the branch courts, definitely maybe com- more combined than all branch courts uh, combined is what I'm trying to say. So they see more and, but because they're so busy, usually, like you say, it's the, the judge's clerk, the judicial judicial assistant approving these based on the judge's parameters. Uh, the judge isn't reviewing these people think the judge is signing their name. They're not, this is the, the, the judicial assistant doing that. I used to work down court before doing that, doing this. Um, but they do are given parameters of what the expectations are. So it can it can vary so much that uh, we, I have had cases, like I've seen earlier, approved in one courtroom and uh, um, rejected in another. And I would literally, see, you'll pick up the phone. I won't because they won't, you know, you don't know who you're talking to down there, but I will write a letter to the judicial assistant named on the reject letter, attach a prior, you know, based on their rejection, I'll attach the approval letter of another case and say, how are you rejecting this on issue A when this has been approved four days ago? in courtroom B. So, uh, and then, then miraculously it's approved. So, um, oh, that's funny. Well, that yeah. is- so anyways, um, okay. Well, let's, there- let's go back to the beginning, what you said, cause I think you, you really brought up something so important, Tim. Yeah. That is what do LDAs do? What, do, what do legal document preparation companies really do and what don't they do? So the 22nd, yeah, just the 22nd version, because here's the thing about LDAs. They will beat it into the ground. If you go to their website, various LDAs, they will, they will more tell you what they don't do than what they do. And I know that's because of the association and that's what they want you to say. And I think there's a fear behind saying the wrong things, but the difference is paralegals need to, you cannot hire a paralegal to do your paperwork who is not working for an attorney. Thus you need to hire the attorney and they can then have their paralegal do the work. A lot of paralegals are out there doing what we're doing, either on the side, never 
never got the the registration or had the qualifications to do what we do, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but do it anyways. There's zero oversight. They never get called to the carpet. Um, I have I have can tell you some horror stories of people that went to some of these folks. And the problem I have with it is that they will do the paperwork incorrectly. They charge a quarter of what we charge. They take the money. They file some paperwork. They disappear. They never call them back. Now, when they come to us, now they're on edge. They've already been taken advantage of. They put us all in the same bucket and they don't know. And then I have to tell them, hey, look, it, we are this and that. And this is what we had to do to do what we're doing, which are for a legal document assistant. There's a couple different ways you can do that. I don't know all the different tracks, um, but the higher, more education you have, the less experience you need, right? I think that's kind of, if you have a four-year degree, I want to say you only need a little bit of, of experience working for an attorney, maybe six months or a year. I don't know the parameters exactly, but down to, if you have a two-year degree, uh, like an associate's degree, you need like a year of working for an attorney or working for the courts or something like that. But you definitely need to have specific experiences and there was, I think there's three levels. Like if it's an ABA law school, um, I think that you, you know, you have less experience. I haven't looked, I haven't looked that, at that in years. Um, I know that my experience was having worked for a law firm, having worked for the courts, and then I have a non-ABA associate's degree. So the combination of those experiences allows me to be an LDA. And then, you know, of course you have to have the, the bond, uh, you have to ha register every two years. And then plus the, uh, 60 units of continuing education, maybe 40 there's, you know, and there's continuing education. So there, while there is oversight for the registration. So if you're working with a registered LDA in your County, you know, they have at least those qualifications. It doesn't mean that they're good at what they do necessarily. Right. It just means they've met the qualifications to be doing that. So at least, you know, it's not some run of the mill paralegal service that we are dealing with daily up here. We have a lot in the San Fernando Valley that um, we've had people forging fee waivers. So I, I just got to tell you some of these stories real quick. We, I've been doing, so I know I've, we've been doing this about the same amount of time, 2011, 2012-ish, right? So um, we have seen just everything with courts and different paralegal services that shouldn't be doing this to begin with. We've had people have, you know, charging 700 bucks, 500 bucks, but saying, but the court fee, it's a thousand, right? And then what they're doing is they will they will uh, generate fake fee waivers on the client's behalf, file those, get those approved, and then so and then keep the court fee. So they think the client's only paying them five or six hundred bucks for their. Oh oh, it, it, it's crazy, well, and I, I have called the uh, uh, court supervisor. I've written letters. I've provided evidence. I had written declarations for clients uh, for them to sign and say, hey, I because we had one that was a doctor. He's like, I, I feel like I've committed fraud because they forged his name. So I had him write a declaration just to try and get this, these people off the map. Maybe the, the bar association, they will come down on people if you enough attention. I wrote a letter to the bar. Nothing. Not a peep. They're still in business, still doing their thing. It's just crazy. But uh, that was a little bit of a tangent. I know we were talking about you know LDAs versus um paralegals it, it is different paralegals need to work right. under the guise of an attorney supervising right. you know supervising them therefore you have to hire the law firm and then they can dish out the work to the paralegal but um you i'm always telling people you need to ask you know if they are an lda or not but that word i advertise as a paralegal nobody nobody it doesn't stay in anybody's consciousness let me give you my 10 second version yeah, a preparation company is between hiring an attorney and doing it yourself perfect 
that's the middle ground that you choose. Um, the hard part for people, now they do get that initially when I'm talking to them. But see, here's what I get because I'm a mediator. Judy, we want to be divorced by a mediator. You did so-and-so's divorce. They, they, were, they were happy, and so we're calling you. So I have to explain. Mediators do not get you divorced. Mediators help you with the settlement agreement. Document preparation people get you divorced. It's all about filing. I happen to do both. So let's talk about the document preparation service that I have. Now, the hard part, and so they get it on the phone, and that's fine. Now reality sets in, and they're working through the paperwork, the disclosure forms. And because the disclosure forms represent the settlement, you know, that's the foundation from where the settlement is going to come. If they're not trusting of one another, if they're a little suspicious, you know, he's never really or she's never really told me everything about every bank account they have. If they come into it suspicious, then they're going to ask me like they would ask an attorney to speak for them to the other spouse hmm. and encourage the other spouse. And I say, I can't do that. I can't do that. That would be representing you. So that is what I find is the difficulty in people understanding exactly what we do because they do need legal advice at times. So I have, like you, probably a slew of attorneys. This is a legal advice question. When they ask me, I say, I can't really answer that. It's, I mean, I know the answer, but I can't give it to you. This has to come from an attorney. And when I get them confident, to call an attorney, you don't have to pay a $7,500 retainer. Book them for half an hour. Pay half yeah. an hour. Yeah. Don't ask them to work for free for you. Do not do that. Then These you people, get the sales pitch. Yeah, I mean, but these people are trained. I mean, they spent money on their education. Pay them. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to work for free. So that, Tim, is what I think is the difficulty in people understanding our role in their divorce life. I think we could get a lot out of a conversation about, although our, 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 what we do is similar. I think we get a lot about some the differences about how we go about doing it. Because there are obviously, especially with us, we know what those known differences are because everyone's going to treat their business differently, how they operate. One of those being we had brought up about, which was shocking to me that you said about there are LDAs that you know they will only work with one spouse. That's just one part. That's just one part of, of what I want to talk about. But I want to start it off by talking about the differences between your service and my service because they are polar differences um, in how what I, the types of clients I want and, and the type of clients that you want. Um, and I think, well, it would be make for an interesting conversation. Okay. So I had, when we reconnected a, a few weeks ago uh, in that conversation about the, uh, the, the nullity paperwork, um, I had made, I had mentioned, I said, Hey, Judy, your, your service is high touch. And because, I mean, it, it almost has to be because you are doing me, you're doing mediation. So by default, it, yeah. it is high touch. Whereas my business, I focus on the, the more straightforward divorce cases to the point where now, fortunately, and I'm sure you feel the same way, we have an ability to have kind of client selection, if you will, meaning 
we have these, I think you do free consultations as I do. And yeah. I, I do them to find out what the issues are and explain our service, but also to see if they are a good fit within what I like to do and the, the level of involvement I get will, will play up as far as their case. Like you were saying earlier about them, um, you know, being concerned about their spouse, not just, you know, just, um, disclosing everything, disclosing uh, assets or things like that. When I hear that on the phone, on the consultation, the, the hairs on the back of my head go up because I'm already like, well, there's already some contention, distrust and, and I'll tell them straight out, look, if that is your concern, I am not the person to get involved just to, to mediate that. You know, you we can start the paperwork and we can start getting into the process and we can get to that part. And if you still have those issues, you guys can go to a third party mediator, get that resolved. If that if that solves it, and then come back and then we can finalize. But I don't get involved in any of that. Whereas you as the mediator and you were talking earlier about need to kind of divide these up. Like, here's my LDA duties and here's my mediation duties. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you can bring them into the fold because you're, you're going to start with that mediation process. I imagine, are you, how does that look for, how does that look like with, with you and with people coming in? Traditionally up until this year, I didn't mediate until we did the disclosure exchange. Hmm. I needed to see everything that we that were talking sense. about. That makes sense. But interestingly, Tim, this year, there have been more people that wanted to mediate before we even started the filing. It just seems to be like a little new trend. And I thought, okay, I, I can go with that. I understand that. Some people find it a lot of pressure to file yeah. and then mediate. <clears throat> so if they can sort things out before they file, the filing goes like nothing. Right. So I, I, I so I'm, I'm, flexible to whatever they want to do yeah i think um th that definitely has been a trend not that i do mediation but that we've had um like people will call and i'll say you know what i don't think that there's two ways you can go yes we can file and start the clock on the six months and then you can go out and mediate but like you said sometimes that now it's become real there's you know you're being served and all this and there's a summons a petition and that and that might add some um level of of um anxiety to the situation and maybe they do want to get um the issues resolved first and then file on the other side of that i've had people because we i do get referrals from mediators um both non-attorney and attorney mediators who don't also who don't want to do the paperwork they just want to do the mediation and then move on and mm -hmm. some of those clients are um a little upset not with me but they're like oh i didn't know that the six months had it start so maybe they spent three months in mediation they get handed off to me and i'm like okay now we're going to start the process uh -huh. and so i will tell them that like if i'm going to refer someone to meteor decide if you want to file the benefit being you start the clock otherwise you start the clock after mediation i mean if, if it's not a rush to get it done you know you have to balance that with the anxiety of you have a case filed right right that's see that's interesting that you say that because in 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 different situations, it comes back to me like that, too. Oh, I didn't know. Well, we actually did talk about everything. <laughs> because I have to. I mean, I have to sort it out. You yeah. have to sort it out. Of course, yeah. we talked about it. But they're not used to the language. They don't really understand the process. So it's like, I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, for instance, we'll be ready 
to file the judgment package, which, by the way, everybody, it's after the settlement has been made. You write up a settlement agreement or you do it by forms. But the last filing is the judgment package. And right. then I'll have somebody um, email me, Judy, you know, I just wanted to cover my bases. And I went to see an attorney and explain you know, everything. Have we filed the petition yet? We did that half a year ago. Yes, <laughs> the divorce. We're in the final stages. Yeah, it, it's. I, I know it's hard for people. They're in another zone. You know, divorce is a drag. Well, if it's if if it either is or isn't, even if they're looking forward to being divorced, it's it's a drag to go through the process. So I get all that. It's just you just have to be patient. I guess patience is the virtue that we all need because it's so much handholding. And so the amount of handholding becomes our differential too, doesn't it? So say what you say how you execute your process. I find it very interesting. My how what does my process look like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it it does start with a a consultation mandatory. Well, I have to you know, I'll I'll go into what's happening lately. But I make it very clear on my website through my videos that we handle, I don't want to say simple divorces, meaning you can't have kids or assets and debts and, and you know all that. Just one it has to be 100% amicable, cooperating, participating. That That is, I don't care. We've done cases with eight kids, million dollar estates, you know, 17 homes. We've done all that. That doesn't add the complication. What adds the complication is the, the people. The people add the complication. So as long as they tell me they are they are amicable, cooperative, and they will if they don't have to be in agreement, but that they will work to reach an agreement, whether that's on their own at the kitchen table or if they need to go see a mediator, then then they will become a client of ours. Prior to the pandemic, I um closed, I didn't close, I still have my offices, but I went remote. So no longer seeing clients in, in you know, face to face. Um, and I did that because even of our local clients, maybe 5% would actually come in. People could live, you know, literally I could throw a rock from the building and hit their house and they would be emailing me. So I said, okay, this is a waste of money. So for me, pre pandemic, maybe eight months before it happened, I, I, I have a home office where I'm at now. I have a dedicated office. It's a great space to work my studio. This is also my studio, obviously, but everything happens from here fully virtual and have now been for three years. And I think COVID and the pandemic helped push people that, you know, over that line of like, Hey, I want to come in shake a hand, see a person. I think that helped, you know, not now that for those, that period of time, they had to go shopping online, Amazon. All, so that helped in all the zoom meetings. I still get them once in a while and I'll tell them, look, I understand. And uh, unfortunately that's not our service. So Ours is, uh, I do everything now. Um, I used to have five employees. I know you used to have a staff before as well. I, I don't know if you do now still. Um, so I do everything. And I've been fortunate to really be into automation, um, trying, you know, systems to, to send out reminders and take a lot of, basically act as an employee for me to, for follow-up and reminders and all that. But I, uh, our, when people come in, I have a, a, a specific system that they fall into. Um, we have the consultation. I send out a, you know, I give them a quote, flat fee price. This is what it's going to be. No more, no less is what it's going to cost to get it done. Um, I don't know if you can still see me, but my my computer just went dark. No, I can totally see you. 
Okay. I think uh, my, my screen froze. So um, you are talking and now you're moving. Okay, perfect. And so I will um, uh, send them an email with what I would need to get the ball rolling. I send them a link that that will then put them into the system. They provide me the initial information for the summons petitions, you know, names, addresses, data, all that good stuff. And there's also a link in there to retain me. Um, once those two things are done, I get notified. I put them into my, I have a, a portal where I, I put both spouses and myself and that's where the transaction occurs. No more email, not no more individual back and forth. It goes into the portal. I add them. I send out a welcome email with some, with some videos to explain my process. And, um, I complete the initial documents. Uh, I have them electronically sign the initial documents within the portal. I e-file them with the court. And that's what starts off the process. Then I have a worksheet that goes out for them to work on the terms of their settlement. I provide them the disclosure forms. I have them do those. I don't. I stopped doing those years ago because it's basically them giving it to me and then I'm writing it on the form. Might as well just have them write it on the form themselves. So I just provide them, say, hey, these need to be completed. I don't need them. I don't collect them. You know, you guys are going to com complete them and sign them. They don't get filed with the court. And then I just have a worksheet and say, at the end of the day, I need you to provide me the terms. Here's the assets and debts husband's going to keep. Here's a, you know, and I have prompts. I give them examples. Here's, you know, here's some different solutions about custody and all that. And they will provide me in just plain English, the general layout. I draft their settlement agreement. And then we kind of go back and forth with a couple of revisions. But it's a very quick process where, where spouses have either already come to an agreement or have mostly reached an agreement. Because sometimes... They don't like they'll some will say, Hey, I need mediation. They'll say, What what is the issue? And they said, Oh, we just need some help on spouse part. I'm like, okay, I can help you with that. I can run some some calculations. And you know, you don't need true mediation in, in that regard. Right, right. Um, so most of our cases are done start to finish in a week. Um, for the most part, I'm totally done with them. They've signed, notarized, I've had all preloaded to be up uh, to be um, e-filed with the court. Uh, well before we can submit because of the, you know, we do these as default with agreement type cases. We do, we purposely don't have the response filed so we can save them a little money on court fees and um, um, submit that when we can, you know, when it's time appropriate. And that's, that's how 90% of our cases go. Some go a little sideways or take a little longer and that's fine too. They get, have some hiccups, so they may need some mediation or something like that. But I try and with my um, consultations, be very specific in the type of clients I want. So we don't have, I don't want to call them problem clients, but clients that's not my ideal client coming in because it can take a lot of my time. Whereas we're handling a lot of cases versus I'm not spending six hours in mediation over four days like you were talking about earlier. Right. That was over two years, by the way. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. So just to, just to show the differences, um, I'd like you to explain what, what yours looks like. I think the term high touch was the perfect term. I have thought about that since we talked a couple weeks ago. You yeah. want to know why I came up with that word? Because Please. I would, when I would talk to clients in consultations and, um, I could tell they needed more attention than, than I, than my service provides. I kept using the word handholding and it, I think it was being, uh, it was being received uh, offensively by like, cause I kept saying like, if you need more handholding, like you're a baby, you know? And so I came up with high touch. So I'll say that if you need more high touch, you know, where someone's really in, and, and, and that was, uh, that was more successful. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it was successful with me as well, because I thought, Oh God, he, 
he really defined it properly. So like you, when we're doing the consultations, they're as much for us as they are for the clients. So we exactly. all know whether we are a right fit. You know, we're all, we're all evaluating each other. I will hear like you hear if that there might be difficulties where they're not in agreement. And also, Tim, I seem to get people that have high conflict personalities. Mm. And I, I, I know that when I'm talking. Uh, either they describe their spouse like that or they describe their spouse in the way that it fits into some categories right. of high conflict personalities. The only high conflict personalities that I just have to say no to are um, maybe like paranoid schizophrenic. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing I can do with that. There's no way I can have a conversation and I won't know what page they're on each day. And by the way, my heart goes out to everybody. I, I Even though I may not be able to take the client, my heart goes out to these people. Or um, maybe they're describing somebody that has been abusive, either financially abusive or um, physically abusive. I can't have that in my office. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to worry about that. And I actually did an interview on the podcast a month or two ago with an attorney out of Georgia who wanted to talk about attorneys getting killed by through the anger of the opposite spouse. Hmm. Yeah. That's a thing, huh? I had no idea. And then I had lunch with an attorney in my area after that interview. And I said, David, is that really an issue in Los Angeles? I just did this interview with the woman out of Georgia. He said, oh, my gosh, it is. He really? said, I just had a buddy who was shot um, by the other client um, because they were angry. Jeez. I had no idea. But here's what I did know. Years ago, when I bought this business, the door was never locked. So I bought, this was an existing business that I bought from a woman who was dearly loved <clears throat> by people in Los Angeles. She, and I had, I had a, an office in her suite and I uh -huh. got to see how she was handling mediation. I wasn't in family law at the time, just I'm doing other types of mediation. Uh -huh. She never locked the door. And so anybody could come in the office being angry and I watched this happen and I said, oh no, 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 no. When I took the company over, I locked the door and I said, appointment only. I do not honor walk-ins. This is too difficult a business because what people say is one thing, but they may not be telling you the truth. There may be stuff they don't want to talk about that they think, oh, you know what? We'll just get divorced. She doesn't need to know. And then, you know, then yeah. I'm a victim somehow. <laughs> I don't want to be a statistic. So, no, sure. yeah, I don't mind the emotions. I don't mind helping people learn how to communicate better to make the situation better. I think for me, and this is where you have overcome that, Don Henley said, the drummer for the Eagles, he said years ago, Make sure you like the business that you're in because the repetition could kill you. Hmm. Meaning, and he said, how many people want Hotel California? 
every single audience we play for. We have to play Hotel California. We can't get out of it. And so, you know, for me, there are aspects of hand. Well, I don't want to I don't want to say hand holding in a pejorative way because I think it's necessary. Yeah. I think people just need that touchstone person that they can go to without legal advice. But it's it, it's going through the disclosures. So the disclosures are the thing that are a drag for everybody. They're a drag for the clients. They're a drag for the professionals. Why are they a drag for the professionals? Because we can't get our clients to do them. To do them. That's why they're a drag. And I'm like, once they're over, I breathe. I can write the settlement agreement. We can go to mediate. I can make some progress. But I think for me, that's the most difficult thing. And then just that I'm working in an environment that needs constant explanation. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of stopping and starting. It's necessary. It's not, you're not going to get rid of it. I'm not going to get rid of it, yeah. but I have to be careful um, about how I handle that. I have to be on my game. I can't be annoyed at anything. So if I find I'm not in a great mood, I do have to watch who I call back. <laughs> Because I want to be in a great mood when I call yeah. them back. Right. You know? So I so that's why I was fascinated now by your thing, by your process. So yeah. I really do like when people come in the office, Tim. I actually like the energy in the office. I like meeting people. But Zoom has taken over. So of course I do my fair share of Zoom calls. I do not like doing Zoom mediations. I'd like to put that uh, out to the universe. I was going I, to ask you that. I need people. I mean, I will do them reluctantly. I need people in front of me. I do my best work when I have the interaction here. I like to separate people in different rooms sometimes. If I feel I'm not getting the conversation where it needs to be because there may some be some fear, avoidance, maybe somebody's not coming, coming, uh, being up front, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. nothing is just they're not and i like the office so to do zoom mediations i have to admit that i do need a lesson on closing out one room so you could let the other room talk Hmm. that's difficult for me i'm a little bit of a digital dinosaur (laughs) and i'm on the other spectrum of that and you're on the other spectrum of that i I like to think so at least yeah well, I admit it, and I admit it to everybody. It's the way I am. So if you can hang with me, um, no, and 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 that's fine. And people will go to you that want that, and vice versa, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a yeah. client for everybody. That's what's beautiful about doing these types of videos. And maybe we're able to do them more with other LDAs. Is they're going to say, "Well, I liked what that person said," and I'm going to go there instead. And that's totally fine. At least it's. Where you know it's it's an LDA versus a paralegal. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean people interview me too. Sometimes they call back. Sometimes they don't. I mean of it's course. just the way it is. You never know. With all, with all of us being equal, we're charming. We work well. You still connect differently with different people. Correct. And that's Correct. the way it is. They should shop. Yeah. Should like who they're dealing with. Of course. You divulging your most personal information yeah well I've, there's an lda uh there's probably four or five in in santa clarita um and i i talk with one and the other ones won't respond to me for some reason 
but um they're the one she she's um i think she's in her 60s she used to work for her, her mom um who was an attorney and uh who passed and now she and she's been an lda and she works from home she let she um lets people come to her house she has a little office set up and you know and also when i get maybe older people that or they maybe they say hey i'm not uh, you know I'm, I'm technologically challenged or i don't have a computer or you know something like that i'll just tell them look that is a complete opposite of my ideal client and i'll say just 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 go to gail you know, I'll I'll, let, I'll say that because like I I'm not gonna it'll be more frustrating for me and them, and I'm not gonna right. try and sell them on using my service if it's not ideal for them as well. So I'll just I'll you know Gail today, call it I'll say I'm just gonna have her call you you know, and I don't know if they end up working with her, but it definitely was more ideal for for both of them um, right. versus with me. And it's just again going back into the conversation about there there's there's different options for people. We do a lot of video, we do a lot of podcasts. People see what we say. They either like us or they don't. And that's fine. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Of course, I'd like to be loved and adored by everybody, Tim. <laughs> Not enough that's realistic. I really yeah. don't. Hey, real quick, I know we have to go in maybe five minutes or so. Um, I was fascinated of what you told me about. So I work with both clients. It's one thing I left out all the time. Mandatory. That. If, if they say, hey, my spouse has another paralegal or LDA, or say, then I'll literally tell them, then why are you calling me? Go to that. Go to them. Go. They let them handle it. They're, they should be a neutral. And they'll. And now I'm thinking, I, I guess I am getting them saying, well, they they won't talk to me, which I'm like there. I, th I think that is doing this business totally wrong. Um, so when you told me that you have colleagues on the LDA side that they will only work with one spouse. I, that is shocking to me. I don't know how you can have a successful business doing that because how do you, how can you say that you can finalize their divorce? How can you promise that? So are they saying, Hey, I'm only going to do your paperwork. Are they doing it? Are they trying to do it as a, a, a true default with no agreement and just a straight up default? Is that what they're doing? I believe so. Yes. Those <laughs> are the most difficult cases yeah. to get through the court. And guess what? You don't get to make any decisions. You know this. Everything has to be divided equally. That's follows California law. Right. So I, the times that I have worked with one spouse, which is rare, the times I have worked with one spouse, it's because the other spouse is the petitioner and hired an attorney because okay. of the comfort level. And there's really no issues with division of anything. So the other spouse has come to me, just file my paperwork, and then the attorney will write up the settlement agreement. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that, in, that, in that case, it works. Yeah. Now, um, interestingly, if there, I don't think it works. I agree with you. I don't think two LDAs, one working with one spouse, I don't think it works at all. First of all, we can't talk for these people. No. All we can do is serve the documents, but not on the LDA, on no. the spouse themselves. Yeah. So it's very restrictive to work like that. And I do the same as you. If I have the respondent call me, uh, their spouse is working with an LDA, I say the same thing. Then please go to that LDA. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be too rough for us to work together. Right. And him, this is the weirdest thing, and I don't understand it. I get along with most attorneys. 
So if there's an attorney on the other side, I generally am okay serving and, you know, working within this environment. I've only worked on the other side of two LDAs and it's never felt right Mm. because the LDAs in these two cases kind of operated like attorneys. They wanted to represent and not fight. I, uh, there's another word for just represent and, you know, start talking about the settlement. And I'm like, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. I, I can't. It kind of puts you in the, that gets you in dangerous area of waters there as, as far as negotiating, like as if you're representing, I did a video six or seven years ago and said, stop. Hey, it was like hey, a message to LDAs. Stop thinking you're an attorney because you're going to get yourself in trouble. Like that's exactly what I, so I don't take anything close. If they, have, if one party has an attorney, nope, automatically, automatically not going to work with them. If they have another LDA, I said, either you go work with that LDA. If they won't, I need you both to come back to me, come over to me and I will take over for both of you. Like, I don't, I don't need any third party. Cause then the other thing you're going to run into and that what I saw when I was, you know, earlier on when we started this business, we couldn't be so selective on who we took. So what would happen is, Oh, well, that LDA is saying this should be done. No, that's not right. You know, th- this is how it's done. They're saying, that. and so there's this, you get, you're having that same wrong information that we still see these days from like other paralegals, then yep. confusing the client. I forgot about that. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah. I yeah. An hour went really fast here, by I the way. I know. I know. And I know you need to go, but hey, consider, um, and you know, even if we just got on and talked about the problems that we see day to day with the courts and, and clients, I, we even talked about our clients, you know, now that we want to talk about them specifically, but just to say that these are the things that come up, you know, I think it'd be very interesting back and forth. I'm up for that. I'm absolutely awesome. up for that because I think it is to the benefit of the client anyway to hear a dialogue inside the industry so that we you can choose who can help you better. Even if it's not us, you go to somebody else. Now you know a little bit more about how this particular aspect of filing works. Exactly. And, you know, I, I would love to refer my clients to you that need mediation because if they do, it's very limited. It's not a full on, it's not, it's not emotional abuse, not financial abuse. It's not, it's none of that. It's just, they need a little bit more high touch handholding. We'll use it together to get through just a one or two issues that they can't seem to do on their own. And that right. uh, 15 minutes on the phone with me did not give them the information they need to make the decision. Yes. Um, and so I, I think zoom wise, you'd be okay with that. Cause it's not going to be that whole room to room and, you know, because our mediator got run out of town. We had one non-attorney mediator, and I don't mean run out of town, like run out of town. They did it for so long, and they retired. And a, like a year went by, and I said, hey, who are you referring to for mediation? She said, "She goes, well, we're taking some, but you know, we're not fully retired, but we're doing it all video. And she goes, I just got tired of being beat up and being the punching bag. For all of these for all these years in divorce. And I said, that's that's what I felt for the 12 minutes I, I did that. <laughs> well, I guess I kind of like being beat up. I don't you, feel it, like that. You see, I don't feel that way. I actually you're meant for it. That way. I am excited before every mediation starts. I'm not nervous at all. And I look forward to it. And once we get into it, I kind of want to know where I can be helpful. So no, I think this is really my right gig. I do. Perfect. Perfect. 
Well, Judy, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, we should do this again. Um, okay. Just let me know. Let's keep in touch, even if it's just by email, just bouncing things off each other. Thank you. And thank you for the help that you gave me for that one case. Oh, really absolutely. I, I, I do. We are in the help profession, I, and that is extended to, obviously, our people in our industry. I'm going to end off real quick. Just hang out for just a second. Okay.